And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and I'm delighted to be joined here today by JJ Bull. Hello, Joe. Seb Stafford-Bloor. Hello, Joe. And John McKenzie. John the Dog McKenzie. Well, John the Dog McKenzie. John, I was being polite to you today. Okay. There we go. Anyway, it is the opening day of the uh, FIFA World Cup in Qatar 2022. A moment long uh, waited, I suppose. We've been talking about this for a really long time. It's here now. We've just finished watching the Qatar-Ecuador game, which we're going to spend some time talking about today. But of course, also there are other issues to discuss, uh, and we'll do that too. As well as a return of points are bad. The uh, presumably probably the thing people were most Give looking the forward to. The beloved game. The, yeah, yeah. the beloved game. I think yeah. about that all the time. Do you actually? This is the first time I've thought about it since. Oh. I occasionally find myself singing the theme tune. Yeah. Every now and again. Very catchy. I did start doing that recently, actually. Yeah, mm. just it, it's kind of, it's stuck on my, yeah, it's, it's like a part of my muscle memory around tournaments, sure. I guess. It's become a part of you. Sure has. Yeah. Yes, yes, okay. Yes. Uh, well, anyway, uh, that's what we'll be talking about today. Uh, but before we kick off, I would love to remind people that if you are not already a subscriber to The Athletic, I would highly encourage you to do so. There's been some exceptional coverage of the World Cup so far. Um, I'm sure over the next month or so, we can point towards some of the individual pieces. Um, Simon Hughes's piece on Nepal in particular, I read this morning, was very, very good. Very good. Um, so we'll do that. We'll take the opportunity to do that throughout the tournament. I believe there's um, there's currently a deal running too. I can't remember exactly what that is. But if you visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, uh, then you'll be able to avail yourselves of that delight. Um, but for the time being, I suppose I would just leave you in the warm hands and the cool embrace of Gianni Infantino. Who else? Who else would I leave you in the warm hands? Because, of course, he opened the World Cup, didn't he, with the microphone there in the stadium. And yeah. I'm sure we can, we can talk about that. Okay, I mean, before we talk about Qatar-Ecuador, uh, which was an interesting game, Let's discuss some of the off-field issues. And I think, Seb, the best place to start is, uh, was released a few days ago, I had a conversation with David Goldblatt, football yes. historian, author, a great writer, and he very, very neatly summarised the controversial issues for me uh, the, surrounding this World Cup in the first couple of minutes. And I just want to run through them here quickly so that we Let's are yep. uh, all aware of them. The first one, of course, is the allegations of corruption around the bit itself. Yes. And there's the fantastic Netflix documentary out at the moment, yep. which goes into detail about that. There's episode three of our Qatar Explained series as well, which goes into a lot of detail about the, the FIFA uh, Exco. Um, the second is, of course, the human rights record within Qatar itself, rights for LGBTQ plus people, rights of women, of course, press freedom. The third is the issue around workers' rights, which yeah. is perhaps the thing that's come to define the tournament more than anything else. We've spent time in the past talking about the, the kafala system, which in 2017 was changed in, in Qatar, but there's arguments around how much of an impact that's had on the ground. And the fourth, uh, which David was keen to point out, was the is the environmental issue. The carbon yes. footprint of the tournament is very, very big. Um, Qatar claims that the, that the tournament is carbon neutral, but uh, but some experts would say that that relies on offsetting um, and aren't convinced by those claims. 
there's a lot to deal with. The first question I suppose I would, I would put to you is how does it feel today watching the opening right. game? Yeah, it's uneasy. And I've, um, I spent, uh, the last couple of weeks working up to this moment. Obviously, I knew I was coming over to England and we would all be together. And uh, cards on the table, I'm absolutely somebody who enjoys losing myself in a World Cup. I live in the tournament, figuratively. I um, I, I watch every game that's on offer. I will, um, you know, base my working and personal life around it. Um, I feel like I haven't quite been able to do that. Not in the sense that um, at the beginning of the Euros, we were worried about things like a lack of jeopardy and a lack of sporting competition. I'm still searching for a kind of an equilibrium and still trying to work out how it is that I should ratio my own emotions within the tournament itself. And I I don't have an answer for you, Joe, because I think this is no. one of those things going to have to reveal itself in time. And it's also not helped by the fact that probably over the last 72 hours, they've been 72 very busy hours news-wise. A lot has happened. Um, some things have changed. Um, there has been some added context around, um, well, provided by Gianni Infantino. Today you feel like a lot is going on. I feel like, um, I feel like I'm having to adapt around things on an almost daily basis at the moment. So whilst the, the World Cup has been a fixed point in the future for 12 years, um, the closer it's got, the more things have changed and... Mm. Um, yeah, I'm still adapting. Yeah. So I don't know yet. Well, in, t- like in terms of the, the very serious and very real issues that we listed off at, at the beginning, I think the best thing that we can do is is point people towards that podcast with David, who yes. speaks about it like far more eloquently than any of us here could. Yeah. Point people towards the Qatar Explained series on TIFO Football, the Illustrated Channel, which is a five-part series written by James Montague, who was reporting about football in Qatar before they'd even thought about uh, you know going to, to bid for the World Cup, um, and which covers, covers many of those areas. Um, and in terms of what I want to discuss here today, John. I heard I listened to the to the brilliant Stadio podcast the other day, and on that podcast, Musa Okwanga described his feelings about the World Cup earlier in the week as a collection of games. And you know, I'm awaiting tomorrow when England play at 1 p.m. and I'm wondering if like the the fan in me is going to kick in a little bit. But today, it does feel a lot like a collection of games. Yeah, and I think, I mean, all World Cups are a collection of games which have that added imbued level on top of it which is what we're talking about that emotional experience and and everything that it means for people and that will be different in every person's case but I think what's actually interesting about this tournament is that you can't get away with doing what you can do in other tournaments which is put all of the other layers of of meanings that maybe are negative away from your mind and Mm -hmm. you you sit back and you kind of think okay here's here's these games I'm I'm with my friends usually it's in in where we're at is the summer so it's a sort of very that's a very emotive period as well for us um whereas in this tournament I think and I think this is why it's so people are struggling to feel the way that they usually feel about world cups because I think usually we can put all that stuff out of our mind but this world cup it's impossible to Mm. to not be uneasy and I think what I found interesting myself personally is that I've realised that that's not what I'm supposed to be trying to do. I'm not supposed to be like getting to a position where I'm like, okay, I feel comfortable about this now. Yeah. I can just throw myself in and enjoy it. Actually, I realised that feeling uneasy, that unresolved aspect of this World Cup, I think has to be there the whole time. Mm. And I think that's why it's important for us to continue bringing these things up because because those things are there. But I think going forward in the future, then one of the things that I'm trying to really focus myself on at the moment is that we've already talked about this. All There's a lot of whataboutery that goes on, but all 
public events in, in, of, of this kind of nature, the Olympics, world sports, sports, world championships, etc. They have these uncomfortable elements to it. And I think I'm personally way too adept at just forgetting those added levels that mm. we've talked about, those negative levels. And I think I'm, I'm trying to remind myself in future to sort of be a little bit more cognizant of that fact going forward. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess my, my takeaway is, is to embrace the unresolved nature of it a little bit mm. as, as consumers of this tournament and, and try and remember that, you know, we're always being co-opted into these sorts of events. And the reason why these events happen is because the people at the top want to inf influence the way people think about things. And so as people at the bottom, I think it's, it's incumbent upon us to just keep that in the back of our minds and think, you know, how am I being influenced here? Mm. Like what is, what are those big narratives that the people in power are wanting to push? To, to allow the discomfort. I think that's a really good point. I, know, I mean, JJ, even if you didn't want to, based on the coverage so far, the mainstream coverage we should point out around the World Cup, it has been, it's, it's, it's impossible to ignore. I mean, you know, Gary Lineker made a, a sort of a joke about it at the beginning of uh, the BBC's opening coverage of the World Cup to say, um, people say we should stick to sport, you know, we will do for a couple of minutes at least and then most of the program was about off-pitch issues can you can you think of another football tournament at least where you know in living memory where that's been or i suppose in broadcast history where that's been an issue um not really no i don't have the i can't think of any others i haven't prepped any no, no sure and how do you feel about it so far um i woke up today feeling quite excited about the world cup which i think is nice mm. because i love the world cup and football generally all the other stuff um, that we talk about and cover all the time is always there. It's the weird part of it is, it does, yeah, it feels like the collection of games because there's other stuff going on in like November and December. There's all this stuff happening. People are still basically working. The Premier League was only last week, so yeah. I think in our like part of the world where we live, it's a very odd time to have this. Like, you no, know, you focus all things on this because there's other stuff that you're thinking about. Mm. So it doesn't feel like you can. I mean, people will be working tomorrow for England and, and that, which I know they've done in the summer before. They've had that. Sure. They played during a day and stuff. But it just seems a bit. It's odd. It was odd um, on a much less serious note that it was dark outside when we were watching really the was. game at four. That sort of. Yeah. That, that, I think that was like, environmentally at least impacted my feeling that. This well, was a World Cup. It's in the summer. You've got it's something that you you can do. So you always want to go outside in the summer. You can still go and watch those games in like pubs or something like that outside, mm. or just have a bit of a summer. And it's a thing to have on during that time because summer's like your holiday time. Whereas people aren't having holidays now because they are working right up until they have their holiday in this part of the world mm -hmm. before Christmas. Yeah. But that's the thing, it's like we're not all of the world here, so I guess yeah. it suits other people in different places, so that's something to think about as well. I think there's something I would like to say as well, because you know, I've noticed a couple of, of comments, and we've seen this over the last um, couple of weeks as well, people making the suggestion that uh, because we're from Britain here, we shouldn't be having this conversation. I, I reject that, but also I want to make the point, um, as again, a, a reference to this, the Stadio podcast, as again they did on, on the podcast, that that um, the people of a country are, are not always represented by the regime. You know, Seb and I had this conversation before and, uh, we, you know, we both said that we would hate at times to, to think that someone from a different country would would think of us uh, based on the actions of, of the government of whatever the yeah. time. Uh, and I think it's really important to, to remember that about the... The, the, the Qatari people at large as well. Like there, there've been lots of comments about the stadium emptying out towards the towards the end of the game, and it's really really important to remember that pe people love football everywhere. It doesn't it doesn't matter that it's the, the thing that is a real shame about this World Cup is that it is the first World Cup in the Middle East, and that it feels very difficult to be able to celebrate that in in the fullest way that you would want to as a result of those surrounding issues. So. Yeah, I agree, and also it's worth pointing out that I, I want to be able to enjoy this World Cup. I 
um, I had a quite a trying year for various reasons. And I, you know, I've been speaking about the World Cup for about six months and it was a kind of, um, it was a, a sunlit uplands in many ways in terms of um, not necessarily the football and the work, but spending time with my friends. I'm, I work remotely. I work from Germany most times, privileged to be here and it's fun to actually be on the podcast. And so I want to embrace the spirit of it and I want to wake up excited about, you know, a slate of games every day. And I want to be able to get past the unease that we've spoken about. Um, and part of that is just, yeah, it, it's, so I, I think the reason to bring that up is just because I, I don't want to characterize myself as someone that's sitting there going, I'm determined not to enjoy any of it. And mm. I'm, I, I want to be sort of even-minded in, in terms of the Qatari people and, and um, the football. And I think it's, it's hard because there's so many different things to juggle. Um, we've, I think editorially, we've tried to cover all of those um, elements fairly and evenly. I think we've done a pretty good job. Um, mm -hmm. I hope we have. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to, um, I'm still trying to find that balance, I think. Well, before, I want to talk about Gianni Infantino, but before we do, um, a comment in the chat from Will Craft. It's all well and good talking about it and putting these issues out there, but it won't have any impact on the actual relationship of nations yeah. with Qatar, which I think, to a certain extent, there's some truth in that, and at the same time, there also isn't. I think what's really important to recognise is that we could have an argument all day, and we would be the wrong people to do it, yes. but we could have an argument all day about the impact of the changes that have occurred, but changes have occurred. And I think like it's very important to, to, to recognize that in 2017, as I said before, like one of the major issues that has surrounded this World Cup has been the treatment of migrant workers and the, and the kafala system, which is essentially a system that allows a sponsorship of migrant workers by private companies as opposed to the state. And that system was reformed in 2017. Now, human rights organizations and people who follow this much more closely than we do would say, hold on a second and take a look at what's happening happening on the ground and you might think that what's you know the changes that have been written down look far better than what's actually occurring but when i spoke to david last week for the podcast that was released he said he was very confident that there is no chance that that change would have happened had the world cup not been there so while will i do accept uh, there's an element of truth in your point i also think that the only reason we're talking about this at all is because the world cup is there uh, and I think that's really important to, to remember. It's difficult to have a nuanced conversation like this, especially live on especially the internet. Especially live, yes, um, yes. But let's have a nuanced conversation. Oh, do you want to just want to say one that, thing? That a lot of people talk about ethics as though if things, if you don't change macro level things, then it's pointless. And I think that's just wrong headed because I think. We're, we all have ethical responsibilities as individuals. And so even just asking the question of ourselves, like, what should I be doing? It's mm. important to do that. That's not going to change anything other than your own life, but it is going to yeah. mean that you can lie in, lie in bed and go to sleep at night and, you know, not hate, hate yourself. I think, so I think it's important to make that distinction. And, and we're all also ethically compromised, right? Like, it's pretty impossible to live uh, a perfect life. And I think, you know, there are, there are again, we're entering into a, an area of whataboutism, but... We could do that for an hour. Let's talk about Gianni Infantino. There's been a couple of interesting things over the last uh, couple of days. The first was that he spoke for a very long time yesterday with, I think it's fair to say, an extraordinary speech that shocked people who were who were hearing it in the in the boardroom. Um, what did you make of that, John? Yeah, I mean, it's it it was largely nonsensical. I think I would say like the the things that he was saying was the 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 words of a guy trying to be inclusive without really understanding how inclusivity works and mm. i think uh, alex scott on the bbc made a good point that you know you can't just say today i feel like a migrant worker because there is 
a sense in which he will never have the experience of a, of a migrant worker and never yeah. and, and and fortunately for him that that i mean that's a good thing obviously but i i think that's it, it's the the worrying thing for a lot of people is that it's very easy to say inclusive things but i think what this world cup does more than ever is makes it aware how um how easy it is to be exclusive in the way that you act um and I just, I think everyone will watch those 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 speeches and hear those words, mm. and recognise that what he's doing there is is simply trying to paper over the cracks of actually what are real issues and yeah. are real issues for real people. And that's you know, you people people aren't stupid. People will recognise what's going on there. And yeah. so I think he's really damaged um, his own image, and I think the the image of, of FIFA to the extent that that hasn't already been damaged. I found it pretty galling to hear that the. My, I mean, I think like when when he says today I feel uh, gay. I think you could listen to that and you think, well, that's a misstep. You know, that's the kind of odd way of putting it. When he says that today I feel like a migrant worker, as you said, Alex Scott made the point, you're not. I mean, it's very true, you're not. And also, it just, as I watched that, and it, I felt like <laughs> offended on behalf was, of people. Like, because we I, spend I a lot of time. Room, but like applaud him for yeah, it. That's, that's exactly right. I think he thinks that he's. People understand this. Today, I feel like today I feel yeah. uh, I feel gay. Today, I feel disabled. Like it's this in- historical. And people are going to go, "Oh my god, he, he understands. He yeah. he gets it. He thinks he's going to win like a Nobel Prize or something." Whereas like the reality is, in one of the videos I watched of it, you can hear presumably a journalist whispering in the background, "Did did he say disabled?" Yeah. You know, because it's just it's it's extraordinary. And I mean, like on the migrant worker thing as well. Uh, you know, we, we've 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 talked a lot about it before. We've talked a lot about the the numbers before. We've talked a lot about the mortality element. I think it's really important also to acknowledge that uh, whilst whilst it's absolutely tragic uh, the numbers of people that that have died, mortality isn't isn't the only negative here too. Like the number of injuries that have occurred, uh, the the horrible uh, environment in which people are, are living and having to to work. Often there's like um, there's uh, situations with uh, with wage theft as well, where people either aren't being paid what they told they were going to be paid or they were you know they weren't paid at all or they've in order to even get to qatar in the first place or we should include other countries within the gulf where op- also operate the same system they've had to uh, put their own houses up for sale to try to get there and then you know end up in a sort of like locked in this this debt situation like the, the idea that then the president of fifa uh, who you know on the eve of the tournament goes on to make this speech where he calls himself a migrant worker i mean it's galling it's isn't it deeply offensive it was you kind of your it was like watching someone try to affect statesmanship and in his mind when he was practicing that speech no doubt he what he heard was terribly profound and actually it became a sort of it, it, was, it was so empty and it was such a um it was kind of pathetic mm. actually and I, I i think also like if you're what do you expect in that situation? If you're somebody who's been affected by um, this World Cup in a, a neg- negative way by the staging of it, you were fa- you would hope for some kind of um, empathy. You would hope for um, some sort of recognition for, I don't know, sacrifices, hardship, all the things that have been suffered. Instead, you got somebody using your experiences as an attempt to create his own iconic moment. It was a speech given by someone who expects one day to be the central character in a book. And expects himself to be quoted verbatim, and it, this, this sort of, um, it was absolutely extraordinary. I, I remember um, I, I was watching it, and I was in the WhatsApp group with you guys. And I know sometimes we can be a little bit hyperbolic with um, things that happen in football, for instance. Mm. Great goal, great save, and stuff. But what I was watching was actually extraordinary. It, it yeah. um, uh, it's the most e- real wow in the chat. It took my breath away. It was absolutely extraordinary to see. Um, 
I, I would also say that level of self-involvement. You have um, what was apparently a, a press conference scheduled for 40 minutes and a speech lasting for an hour, 5,000 words. Um, that is, if you think about it in its purest sense, that is extraordinary to mm. do that, to think this is, this is what this moment calls for. This is what this is the tone of this moment, and this is what it's appropriate to now go and say. It was, um, yeah, I'll, I'll stay with deeply offensive, mm-hmm. and also um, the way it ended was um, a, a little bit sacrilegious, I think, in many ways, in terms of the kind of the you know the the, the sort of the the imagery that he um, he called upon. Um, I'm still in shock, and this is what I meant when I said earlier: every day something new is coming up, which you have to adjust to, and which you have to get your mind around, and yeah. some of these things are bizarre really yeah okay um let's talk a little bit about football there's a some football happening tomorrow there's football happening the day after that football happened today we will discuss that but first john you've got have an excellent resource for people that you and you and friends have uh, created which is going to help us through the tournament yeah so we've made a spreadsheet with all of the squad lists in there and lots of extra information so things like starting 11s, players who are missing, uh, tactical um, remarks and stuff like that. So I don't know how the best way is to... What's to... a good example of, if you got it up on your screen there, Yeah. pick a team. Okay. Actually, let me pick a team. Senegal. Okay. Tell me something, tell me a tactical trait about Senegal. I can read the tactics, do you want me to read the tactical preview? Yeah, read one bit, yeah. It's only short. Yeah. What was supposed to be the perfect finish to a year in which Alucice's Lyon de Teranga... Crane, that's a hard one to say, isn't Actually, it? Actually, that's all, that's all watch man read. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit boring, isn't it? Oh, so the videographers are laughing at you for some reason. Is that because he's picked his laptop up? Is that why? I can't see it otherwise. There's no harsher laughter than videographer laughter. No, no laughter. Anyway, you we talk on, a little John. bit about how uh, Mane is missing. He's been really important to them, the way that they play, how they're going to um, re- respond to Mane being out. And then we uh, highlight a couple of players who are who, who are sort of important. Then we have a key player section. We have a rising star section. We have a notable absent section. Yeah. And the most important bit, which is a fun fact section, where we talk about something fun. about. Nice. Which, 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 uh, Will you put this? the link in the chat? Some people have asked hey. for that. And also, if you want to find it anywhere else, uh, John, John's... Uh, tweeted about it uh, who, who who helped you make it john there's lots of people um shall i how shall i uh, name some of them just name, name some them. people yeah. i go on the cover because it's got them so names. a guy called max um a guy called mateus two guys called mateus actually from oh, brazil two mateuses the friend of the podcast tiago Esteban. yeah me and then mariam nas nice Mm. Okay. Hey, yeah, drop, a, drop, a, drop a link to it in the live chat uh, now. Can I, or, how do I do that? You can send it to me on Slack and then I'll put it in there for oh, people. Thanks, it's kind of, nice. kind of for everybody. Like it, it, it will appeal to John's and JJ's especially, but yeah. I am uh, not a particularly tactical person. I really enjoyed it too. Have you, really had, have you looked at it, John? Uh, John? That's oh, JJ. Yeah, yeah. Have you looked at it, JJ? I've looked at it, yeah. Yeah, what do you think about it? I think it's very good. Is it helpful to you? It would have been had I had it two weeks earlier. Right. <laughs> Before I learned it's, all it's starting free, two teams' way. tactics. It's really good. Space it's free, really, really, it's, really it's good. Not, this is not really a promotion for it. I mean, uh, this is, you know, go use it at your own, you know, for your own desire. It's free and available. Um, yeah. But it's a lot of work been put into it by these people. It's great. So I thought it's nice to, um, to, to promote it a little bit. Now, if, if only I could learn how to right-click on a Mac. <laughs> uh, let's go now to a break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, let's talk about the game that happened today. Uh, that game, of course, was uh, Qatar nil. Two Ecuador, it was two. It felt like more, didn't it? And JJ, well, it was the first, more, wasn't it? It was one was was disallowed. One was disallowed. Disagreement. JJ, we'll talk about that. The first question comes to you. Um, we had talked a bit about Qatar beforehand. There was a lot of discussion around. Uh, well, how good would they be? Of course, so that I believe they are the first host nation to lose their opening game in the mm. history of the World Cup. Uh, and of course, we know that their their ranking is relatively low in comparison to the other teams. Um, of course, they haven't made it to World Cup before. But we also thought, or we were told, that they wouldn't be embarrassing in the tournament. Today, for the first 25 minutes or so, as Qatar's players and goalkeepers seemed to sort of have a bit of a wobble, it felt like it was going to turn. They were 1-0 down in three minutes. Yeah. And then it was overturned with offside, yeah. which was really tight. And without VAR, probably wouldn't have been overturned. You felt fairly strongly about the level difference. Yeah, and I thought before... So I've been told by um, a few people, a lot of people have covered Qatar in previews and, and say they're good. I mean, lots of other journalists who know what they're talking about. Uh, and because they won the Asia Cup um, in 2019, I think, wasn't it? And because they're coached by someone who, yeah. who came from... Um, La, La Masia. La Masia. Yeah, so he's been in the Aspire yeah. Academy for quite yeah, some time. Exactly. Now, so he's grown up with that team. There's, they, there's a system, there's a kind of a footballing philosophy yeah. behind it. They play nice football um, when they're playing against teams who aren't very good. But as soon as they play against a team who are good, and comparatively Ecuador are really good, and we previewed all the tactics for all the games in Group A and all the groups on T4YRL. You can go and see them all there. Um, and Ecuador played pretty much how we thought we did in the preview. So, I mean, for people who are watching this, you can see what, what they're going to do. They, they leave the middle of the pitch kind of empty. They have the fullbacks go up a little bit. And then what you get is a player in the middle. It's normally Mendes comes in to form like a three at the back. Then Caicedo becomes in the middle. And then they just have loads of players in wide areas, kind of a bit like this. Maybe, John, I don't know if you agree with that, but I think that's <laughs> mostly what it sort of does. So they leave all this big like amount of space in the middle of the pitch. So and then they can double up in wide areas and mm. they can create from wide areas. And then you get like Casado would end up in the right wing sometimes. You'd get players like Ibarra would come inside in the middle of the pitch and then maybe someone else would push out into one of the wide areas. Lots of movement. Uh, they like just, they were decent enough, Ecuador, but yeah. they essentially were 1-0 up in three minutes. And then I think you could just tell they were going to be able to, to uh, basically do them from there. You yeah. could tell that the standard was a lot different. And Ecuador had it 2-0 and just locked it down at about 35 minutes to just stop playing because there's no need to, to well, save your energies tournament football. So. And until uh, his unfortunate injury, it also seemed that Ena Valencia might win the golden boot in the first game, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he had a goal disallowed, as we've, we've talked about from a, from a set piece, um, where he scored a really, really nice, well, it was an easier header than the, the, the second one he did. But yeah, he looks, looks up for it. Um, a well-taken penalty. Yeah, very lovely penalty. Um, very calm and collected. Sent the keeper mm. the, the other way or waited for the keeper to move and then played it in the opposite corner. But mm. yeah, I think it's interesting games like at the beginning of the of the tournament because it's really hard to judge how good 
Ecuador are from this because as JJ said, once they hit two goals, they clearly had decided once we get a two goal cushion, we can we can sit back a little bit and, and preserve energy. This is really stupid. I think you can judge them by um, like they're much better than Qatar, so they look much better than mm. Qatar, but they're not as good as other teams. Like Netherlands will be a better team than them, I think, and so you'll see the difference then. Yeah, like in there. I mean, that's a silly thing to say that they're going to look worse than other teams because they're not as good as some teams but they're better mm. than some others this sure. is not high level analysis no no <laughs> <laughs> very medium level analysis yeah, right? I think yeah. I've, I've let myself I've fallen into a medium trap yeah but I, we, we've talked a lot about how they evacuated the central midfield area to, to build up in these like deep wide areas in particular but um, I guess the big question is will they do that against other sides like how will mm. they play against Senegal will they will they be happy to sort of do that that deep build up because it, it felt to me like a lot of the time they were just building up deep and then um, just going long anyway because they they ended up with like a f well let's let's draw on the board so they've they've got their their forwards sort of here. Now remember, John, uh, because uh, some people are listening uh, yes, to this, you need to narrate what you're doing yes. and try to keep it to a. So minimum. what I've done, yeah, what have you is done? I've pushed the two strikers and the two wide players forward. Now the wide players were playing quite narrow, but and this uh, is Ecuador you're talking. This about. is Ecuador, yeah. yes, in in the World Cup. Oh, right, in the game against Qatar. Yeah, in the yeah. game against Qatar. You joke, but I'd already tuned out. So, you know, I'm sure some people will have done as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, as JJ says, you, the, 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 the fullbacks were pushing, the, the centre-backs, sorry, pushing really, really wide. And you've got your fullbacks here. So, like, very little space between the two of them. Where's here? Yeah, where's here? Yeah. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the deep part of the field. The only way to learn is to throw them in at the deep end. Yeah, I think it's yeah, good, yeah. yeah. We're supposed to practice this, but we... Yeah. Uh, we haven't had time to practice. Yeah. Um, carry on. Mendes drops in between the two centre-backs here, yeah. and then sometimes even um, Caicedo, if Estupinian's pushing forward, drops in here, and, and it, just, wide. Yep. it just ends up looking like a huge horseshoe with So you've defense. got a sort of horseshoe shape round the back there for Ecuador. And would, would you call that their rest defence, John? No. <laughs> no, right. I don't understand that still. <laughs> I still don't understand rest defence. What's no. that again? I wish I'd never taught the world this phrase, <laughs> especially not you. <laughs> In which case, let's move on. Um, JJ, you pointed out several times that you really enjoyed Ecuador's set pieces. Oh, yeah. What was it specifically about the set pieces that, that you enjoyed? Um, well, one of the things that did was quite cool was that when they had a, a set piece that was deep, so maybe uh, like 30, 40 yards from goal. Yeah. And quite central, wasn't it? Quite central, well, yeah. It? So then obviously, like, um, then uh, Qatar would get all their players back to try and defend. Yeah. So um, what then Ecuador would do was split them in half. So maybe you'd have like, all players would, would uh, double up, not double up, just they'd just all go on one side cluster. of the box. Yeah, yeah, cluster like this, and maybe have like someone up top so they can... Uh, get the ball to them on the on the counter or something like that. And by that, you just mean that, like, if the free kick free kick position is like slightly to the left of the goal, most players would cluster on the right because it's likely it'll be a diagonal. Right? Exactly. So you put like three or four big lads on one side of the pitch, yeah. and on one side of the box. Uh, what Ecuador are doing is having maybe four on one side who are threats, and then having another maybe one, two, three, four on the other side. So then that meant that Qatar had to split yeah. their defenders into different sides. And so there was so just much get... space, wasn't there? Yeah. It was really unusual to see that at a set piece. It looked like they weren't really defending mm. it. And then, so people who can't see this on the board have just sort of drawn it in the box. And then what would happen is that, if say they went to the right, so you don't know which way they're going to go with the ball. So mm. if you hit it to the right into the box, then someone would win ahead or push it back into the middle and then they wouldn't know who to mark because they'd 
didn't know where the big lands would be and mm. who the actual threats are for the set piece. It's quite clever. Yeah. I wonder if other people will start doing it because it's it's only when they do it from far out free kicks. When they were doing it, it was quite close to the goal. It was a free kick that was maybe 25 yards out or something. It was very standard, mm. just a hook ball into the box or something like that. Yeah, But I like that. It was clever. Is okay. it worth saying to the, the audio audience that JJ's drawn a little circle around when the ball goes like the referee does and a free kick line as well? That's nice. That's nice. Like, really contextualising little touches there. I can I only learn from the best, you see. Yeah. I wonder if the um, the, the set piece formation. I wonder if that was behind the the first goal, the disallowed goal. Because yeah. what you if you watch that back, the goalkeeper decides very very early on he's coming for it, and it's a good sort of 12, 14 yards away from his goal line. Yeah. And because he's got so many defenders in one on one situations and so much space, I wonder whether that creates the his mindset. I'm not as protected. I've got to do something. I've got to be proactive. Factor in the kind of the occasion yeah. and the the natural fear and oh, pressure. I watched that and I felt like it's that's the kind of decision that I make. Me too. Me too. I rush into something much too early yeah. and then halfway I realise it's not going to work, but I still carry on anyway. But but I wonder if you've got a normal set piece formation there and you've got maybe. 15 players in that space the goalkeeper looks at it and thinks nah it's too much traffic I'm not coming for that ball mm. let it let it let a defender deal with it yeah. I wonder whether that played into his sort of um, his decision making yeah. maybe well let's talk about the offside now we're talking about the, the, the goalkeeper uh, John you sent us a picture that seems to explain it because it was quite confusing and I am proud to say that I did I did make a remark when it occurred as to say this is the issue is going to be because the goalkeeper is high and there's only one defender back and it's going to confuse everyone. And then it confused me for 10 minutes until I realised <laughs> that I was right the first time. <laughs> yeah, it was very intelligent from you. I was, I was somewhat surprised when I, when I first heard, heard it. But yeah, um, the, the, the player, one of the players <laughs> was offside. I don't know what, what else you want me to say, but because the keeper came forward, obviously the rule about offside. <laughs> what do you want him to that say? That was so yeah. sassy. Was that was salty. Yeah, I like it. Wow. Really the, went the rule, after you there. That's... I know why John's annoyed though. It's because of a certain game that you yeah. played. Well, yeah. listen, so I didn't want to bring it up on the live stream and I wasn't planning to bring it up we, and we, thinking we... about all last night what I could say on the live stream to embarrass John. We... But I don't know if people know this, Seb. We didn't want this to bleed into the podcast. We didn't want we it to really be, no, didn't want We to. tried to keep um, it separate, yeah. but now John's brought it up himself. I think it's okay for me to tell the world that uh, John McKenzie, who uh, was or is, I'm not certain because angry was or is angry <laughs> was or is the host of a, of a wonderful chess podcast. Uh, John himself, a, a, you know, a great knowledge of the game of chess and a fantastic uh, player of the game of chess, and he knows all the opens. He was telling me last night, he was, "Oh, this is what this one is, and this one's that. What's that one?" He know he's one of those people that thinks about what he's going to do when he plays chess. Not like a normal person like me who just makes a move. He, he does have that set of T-shirts, which he's always wearing, which which have those, you know, those famous old chess moves. Yeah, on them, like the chess the moves, and, yeah. I mean, it, it's obviously But ladies today, and gentlemen, but... what happened last night, of course, was John McKenzie and I played our first game of chess together, didn't we, John? We played it online and we were on a Discord call and we were having a nice friendly chat, weren't we? And you exposed your king... <laughs> <laughs> Good. Don't, and do I that, don't do this in the in. stream, please. Yeah. And I, uh, I checkmated him. I won the game, didn't I? I beat you at chess. I beat you in a game of chess. You won a game of chess against me, yes. I did win a game of chess. And I've realised that with the long build-up to saying that now, when I was thinking about this last night, I thought, oh, it's going to be funny and I'm going to feel like a cool... But I feel like I've over the pudding a little bit now, and now I feel like it's not hasn't really turned out like to be this bit. That head I a little bit to be. too much. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. You know, that was kind of unkind. Anyway, the point is, I beat John at chess, and I'm an idiot. So you know, what does that make you? It makes me an idiot's idiot. 
So just to the offside again, it was just offside, yeah? It, yeah, as you say, people think of the offside rule as being a, an outside, an outfield player and the goalkeeper. But the goal, because the goalkeeper pushed forward, the deepest player was an outfield player, which often confuses people. So. Yeah. I still don't, don't understand it, and I've seen it. You've seen the picture, I, I though. explained to me, I still don't. Right. This yeah. happened in the Euros two, as well. You have to have two players it has to be between two. the goal and One of them is normally the, the goalkeeper. Do you have to have JJ recoil from the microphone and put his hand over his eyes? What happens is this the goalkeeper comes out and there's another key player here. And then whoever who was it who was offside? It's always assumed that the goalkeeper is not going to be part of it because he's never that far up the pitch. Yeah, he was here and the ball was played in. Exactly. Oops, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, but the the ball was played in from here. When you look at the tactical cam footage, you can you can see it does become slightly clearer. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. Uh, there's a reason we don't talk about offside stuff, isn't there? Um, Ecuador on Ecuador, JJ. Uh, they you know they were tipped before the tournament started to be an interesting team to watch. Um, bit of a tough group though. Senegal by us. <laughs> by us, sure. Uh, Senegal and Netherlands, um, uh, the other two teams in 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 this group. Uh, Senegal Ecuador feels like it's going to be. If 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 you expect that the Netherlands are going to top the group, Senegal Ecuador feels like quite an exciting game now, doesn't it? Uh, I, yeah, I think the other games are really exciting. I think it's quite clear that Qatar aren't very good, so they will have to be very special to be able to get any points out of the other teams. The Netherlands are really good. Mm. Senegal, I can't quite. I think they are they are decent. They're much better than Qatar as well, so they should be fine. Um, are you asking whether Qatar, sorry, versus Senegal versus Ecuador, would be a good game? Yeah, I think asking? I think that just seems seems to be the one now that's going to be potentially a decider for yeah, second place pretty, in that group. I mean, there's some really good team, uh, really good players on that Senegal team. Obviously, Sadio Mane is not there now, which is a a shame. But they have decent players like Ismail Sar. He's decent on the right, and then you've got Edward Mendes, the goalkeeper. Koulibaly in there as well. Mm. Who's that, sorry? Koulibaly in there as well. Koulibaly, yeah. Yep. There's just decent players all over the pitch in that team. They are, they are decent and uh, I think well coached from what I've seen of them. Yeah. And they, yeah decent. They're African champions for a reason. I mean, cool. they would deservedly won the tournament and they, if, 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 if Mane was fit and if he'd come to the World Cup, I think we'd be talking about them as potentially like, becoming the first African side to reach the semifinals, maybe. Or yeah. having, a, having a chance to do that because, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a pretty gifted generation of players they've got yeah. there. Okay. I think that they lose to Ecuador. Do you think so? Yes. Why do you think why do you say that? Because I think Ecuador have better players <laughs> and they're a better team. The medium level analysis continues on this <laughs> yeah, podcast, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Um I mean but that's what it comes down to, right? In World Cup games, I think. Who's got the better players? Well in the, yeah. on that point, let Not me true. ask you this then, right? This is something we were talking about a little bit earlier on. Uh Qatar, uh, we've seen them play now. Um, but uh, there's something that I think can be a bit of a, you know, can affect teams that play uh, most of their international friendlies in regions where they might be um, considered one of the better teams. We also see this a lot in the Champions League with, uh, you know, some European teams that might uh, very easily win their domestic league, but then would be second favourites against almost any Champions League opponent. Celtic, a, a good example of this. We talked about them earlier. And in terms of the way that Ange Postacoglu would set Celtic up to play, they want to dominate the ball, they want to dominate possession, and they want to, you know, uh, progress progress the ball through mm. the thirds, as you're always saying, right? Um, when you come up, uh, as, when you're Qatar, and, you know, you're taught by a coach who's from La Masia, and you have kind of fairly long history of a certain type of football, um, you play in a region where you might be expected to have more possession than you then do against Ecuador. How do you make that transition, not just for Qatar, but for any team uh, that is in that situation, to suddenly playing against teams that will have more of the ball than you? Yeah. And uh, in an environment where you are unused to playing 
uh, on the on the back foot. Yeah, it's worth remembering that like the World Cup tournament itself is like the final part of a longer mm. um, run of games, and the difficulty comes as you say that if you're playing in a qualifying group in particular where you are one of the better teams. How do you then, I think this applies to like the US quite nicely as well, because they would expect to be one of the better teams in their, in their group, mm. um, in their qualifying group. But then they come to the World Cup and then suddenly they are not going to be the best team in their, in their group. And so uh, the, 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 the issue is, is that the other teams who are going to dominate their games, so teams like, well, just take Argentina and Brazil because they're in the same uh, continent, um, but they're not in the same continent as, as the US, but ignore what I just said. But if you take those two teams, they can they can play. You know, in it's a, live, John. You can't okay. take that one it's, back. It's, I just have to accept it. Yeah, you You just changed what continents they're on. Yeah. Okay. Do right. they change that now officially? Double they, double down with it. Just yeah. absolutely refuse to accept in the mistake. The American continent. Yes, of course. Yes. That famous qualifying group. Yes. But those two those two teams will be able to play the way that they're going to play in the tournament in the qualifying. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's almost as though the run up towards the tournament is as much about setting themselves up for the tournament as, as, as well. Whereas these other teams, obviously, they play in a, in a completely different way and then they get to the tournament and then suddenly they're going to have to play maybe lower block. Maybe they've been a high-pressing team, but they're not going to be able to do that without getting picked off. So they have to sit a little bit deeper. And I mean, the the um, Qatar team that we've got in front of us is a good example of that because they've yeah. gone now to a back five rather than a back four, which is what they were playing before. Yeah. Um, so they are having to play in, in a different way. And interestingly, I think from the game tonight, um, they looked very, very fragile from set pieces yeah. um, and and that's largely I think because they probably won't have had to face as many dangerous set pieces and players who can, can yeah. punish them from those things Seb um, one last thing on the, the Qatar team uh, it was kind of sort of funny at the beginning and then I started to feel quite quickly quite sorry for some of the, the players who I think are going to maybe receive uh, uh, or, or, or on the front lines for a bit of mockery uh, yeah. which I suppose might not be um, poorly intentioned, but it, there are better uh, there are better people to receive that kind of mockery. The the play the Qatar uh, team players are not responsible for the things that we have discussed at the beginning of the podcast, and I, I feel like I'm maybe going to be unfairly maligned as a as a result of that. A little bit of unintentional conflicting of different issues, right? Yeah, I think a, a bit of empathy wouldn't go amiss, Joe, just because. Um, firstly, consider being in their position, and you've got the conversation around the World Cup and. Um, you've got all the pressures that come with that. You have to deal with the build-up and being part of, um, I don't know, the representation of your region and, and mm -hmm. nation in a way that you don't really sign up to be when you're a footballer. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things I think I took from the first 20 minutes is the nervousness and the fear and the anxiety. I think you saw that in the goalkeeper. More subtly, I think you saw it in the other players because... It's like they won the Asia Cup in 2019, and they 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 deserved it. They played extremely well. Let's not forget that. However, in the in the in the years since, they've had quite a few bad results. Um, just in the last 12 months, they've they've had some humbling um, humbling defeats. Most notably to the Republic of Ireland, who are not one of you know they're not European superpower. Mm. Um, they lost four 0 to them. So um, they arrive in the tournament not particularly um, in not particularly good form, and with the conversation around them, and with a I suppose a lot of people wanting them to fail because they represent um, they represent something other than just football. Yeah. They're not just a football team in this they, situation. They do, yeah. And I think we have to be very, very careful about um, how we conflate uh, the Qatari football team and what we think about the um, the components and the elements around them, mm. uh, whatever that may be, because they are not one and the same at the moment. Um, 
It's a very, yeah. very difficult situation. It is tough, yeah. yeah. Um, on another note, uh, in the chat, at Russell says, this live stream is dross. So, guys, I think we're going to have to up our game. <laughs> Russell's really unhappy. And maybe we can all take a moment uh, while we have a break to reflect on how we can do better um, at I will jobs. not reflect oh, right, at all. I'll write a message to him. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not reflecting at sorry, all. Sorry, Russell. Yeah, okay. That's a nice yeah. message. Thanks, JJ. That's okay. Yeah. You've burned him by spelling his name wrong as well. Yeah. Nice, Oops, JJ. Sorry. We'll try to oh, do... we put Sigma in there. We'll try to do better <laughs> for you. And we'll have a break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, so tomorrow, uh, the 1 p.m. again, the first game of tomorrow is, uh, is England-Iran. JJ, what are your predictions about England in this, in this tournament? I think that England won't be amazing, but they are quite good at hacking their way through teams who aren't great against them in the tournaments. We've seen them, they rely on lots of set pieces and things that they've done cleverly with those like blocking players and runs just, just and mm-hmm. you know, the things we saw before and then the, whatever tournament it was that wasn't five months ago, it was 18 months ago. Yeah. But um, I think we saw as soon as they played like Italy in that tournament, they were the first really good team they played and they lost. And then in the World Cup, the first really good team they played properly was Croatia and they lost. Uh, I think they'll find it hard to break down teams like Iran and Wales and Wales will be really up for it. So I think you've got this thing when Scotland played them in the, in the Euros, it was nil nil Scotland really up for it. Not very good Scotland at all. And England just couldn't score and just couldn't get at them. Yeah. Uh, and as long as you're clever and don't give away those silly set pieces that you don't want to rely on, uh, I think they're quite weak defensively. And I mean, obviously the whole team defends as a unit. It's not just one player, but if Harry Maguire plays, he looks so low in confidence. Mm. Eric Dyer, uh, I always fear there's a little tiny mistake in him there and you're looking for Wales or Iran or USA waiting for that one single mistake. It could be, it's in there. Um, I'm not sure how what the midfield will look like. I don't know what shape Southgate will play, whether it's a 3-5-2 or, or 3-4-3, isn't it? Usually you play with the two wide players or whether he'll go for a back four and have an extra attacker because they should be the better team. But as we know, Southgate likes to play very cautiously and very carefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I can see, I think a lot of people starting to... I can see England really struggling in the group, but I might also look completely stupid having said that, and they might just breeze it 
I hope so. I can't really tell. I'm going to see tomorrow. If, if they are bad it's tomorrow... It's like a double win for me, because if you yeah. are wrong, uh, it means England are good, and it means you're wrong, which yeah. is extra fun for me. Well, those of you who watched the live streams last time we did them, you may remember that Joe genuinely fell out with me during the... Was it the Euros of the World Cup? It was the World Euros. Euros. You've inflated yeah. what happened a bit. You can you can see it. it. It's on like, camera. Like <laughs> a certain thing that happened with the chess game recently as well. The what, I won that as well. I, I won just, the conversation. I think you inflated what actually happened, but mm. yes, didn't even give me the right to reply. But here we are. Well, anyway, um, so there's a couple of comments in the chat asking us to talk about the the armbands. One point point I will make here is uh, we we are live, right? Uh, we need to uh, wait for all facts to be established before we discuss things. And also, please bear in mind, we came live as soon as we finished watching that game. Um, we do not have a full time producer with us for this show. So so there'll be days where we talk about the big topic the next day if it is not completely clear in our minds what is cool to say. Uh, but we will probably discuss that tomorrow when we talk about England and we find out what Harry Kane does. Yes. Anyway, uh, that's exciting. And I suppose now it is time to also hear from uh, Points Are Bad. Points Are Bad, that's what's next. I was just filling for time with my mouth. I'm a professional. Points Are Bad. Now, you remember, remember if you listened to the uh, Euros podcast a year and a half ago, that we, can, we play this, this very uh, st- ultimately quite stupid fun game called Points Are Bad. Points and now, Are Bad. Yes, and Seb is singing in the background there. Now, the main aim of this game is to not have points. You don't want points because they're bad. Points are bad. Remember this. Here's how the game works. Before a a fixture and before a day, we all predict the score lines of the games in question. And then depending on how far our scoreline prediction is away from the real score, we gain points. And nobody wants points. Uh, I can tell you, John, that you're a happy boy today because you have zero points. You predicted a 2-0 win to Ecuador, and that means you gain zero points. Seb and JJ, you both have one point, because JJ, uh, you predicted 3-0 to Ecuador, and it very nearly could have been. Seb, you predicted 1-0 to Ecuador, and while your expectation for the game was miles off versus JJ, you do have the same number of points, which is an illustration of why this game is a stupid game. It's such a good game. It's so flexible. It rewards all kinds of different things. That's right. I like the game. Well, I have two points, so I think it's a bad game. I like the game even more. (laughs) What was your prediction? My prediction was 1-1. I thought I was gaming the system, Mm. but I was just gaming myself. So we're doing predictions for tomorrow now? Yes, we are doing predictions for tomorrow now. And we'll rush through this, please. And of course, the way we do this is the first person to go is the person who does the performs the poorest the day before. That's me. That is I'll, I'll decide to go first. Nobody can choose the same scoreline twice. So we don't get in a situation where we're all picking the same thing and the winner just needs to stay ahead, right? Uh, JJ and Seb, you guys will go second and John will go third as the current winner. So with uh, England-Iran, my prediction is, of course... 5 0. Uh, uh, <laughs> Who, too? I've put that in as the actual result. Uh, it, uh, 5 0 is the. Uh, to, to England. Mm-hmm. Senegal, Netherlands. I'm going to go for a 2 3. I think that's going to be a stunning game of football. And the U- USA, Wales, I'm going to say, is going to be our first 0 0 of the tournament. How exciting. Now, uh, Seb, let's you go next, please. I, England, Iran first. I will say 1 0. You'll say a 1 0 yes. to England, okay? And then Senegal, Netherlands. I will take a 2 1. To the Netherlands. You take a 2-1 yep. to the Netherlands. That's a 1-2. Okay, thank you. And then USA-Wales, please. I think the USA will beat Wales 1-0 also. 1-0 also. Great. JJ, you are next England-Iran. 1-all. One 1-all. One okay. Senegal-Netherlands. 
I think that will be a 2-1 win to the Netherlands. Okay, so that's a 1-2. Yes. Yeah, and you can't have that because Seb's already got it. Oh, I've taken he? that one. Yeah. Okay, then I will go 3-2. Uh, 3-2 to the Netherlands. Yes. You can't have that because I've already taken it. Oh. You really need to pay attention I was, this I game. thought it was. Yeah. All right. Two, Do you need us to explain the rules two again? 2-0 nil, nil Netherlands then. Two, okay, 0-2. Yes. yes. And, of course, USA-Wales. I think that will be 1-2. 1-2. 2-1 to Wales. 2-1 to Wales. Okay, fine. Now, John, you haven't got that many scorelines left. I'll have whatever's left, Jim. England versus Iran. Nine We've currently nil. got a 5-0, a 1-1 and a 1-0. You could go for a 2-0, a 2-1. Yeah, t- thanks for explaining the game to me again. Well, JJ Actually, needed just... it, so I wasn't well, sure if you yeah. would need it also. Um, well... And also bear in mind that whilst uh, the game is fun and people enjoy it, this bit is actually very boring. It's so the longer stressful. you take, yeah. the, the, the worse the live stream is. I'd just like to point is. out that you're the one that's making this longer and boring. I'm actually, with my elongated editions, they're fun. Whereas okay, watching you sit is. there thinking, as I I'll found out when I played England, chess with you last night, I, very I'm boring. very tempted to go 1-0. 2-0 England. England, okay, fine. And next up, it is Senegal, Netherlands, please. 4-0, Netherlands. 4-0, 4. Nil, go big four. Or go home. Look at that. Nice. Well, you are going to be going home with that kind of prediction. Uh, and USA, Wales. I think... 1-2 and 1-0 are both taken. 1-0 to who? 1-0 to USA is taken. 2-1 to Wales I'll is go, taken. And 0-0 is taken. I'll go 1-0 to Wales. 1-0 to Wales. That's a 0-1. There we go. Wasn't that an... Uh, what well, great content. Very boring that was, bit of that the was, podcast. That was, yes. Yeah. Maybe we'll like pick those in advance next time. As we go yes. through the tournament. Maybe we'll idea. pick those in advance next time. That's what yeah. we do. We produce Come the show. Prepared. That was boring, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, sorry for making it boring, everyone. That was definitely my fault for yeah. making it boring. I well, apologise. You know, I don't remember it being boring last year during the Euros. <laughs> and John was the only person I mean, that wasn't here. <laughs> we, we, we have adapted the rules around some of the behaviours during that points are bad Euros. Oh, what? Yeah. JJ's cheating. The cheating. Why they cheat? Because you've realised that you got to do is say one. You got ahead early, and then you said one-one every game. Yeah. No, I didn't. That wasn't me. That was, was that Alex Stewart. That was it was Alex. Alex. That was Alex Stewart. Because yeah. I mean, Alex Stewart's cheating. He was just playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. To avoid yeah. that, you should add incentives for getting the result right. I think. <laughs> okay. Well, listen. I think that's everything, isn't it? That's probably the end of this now. Um, but uh, it's there. You go. That's the opening day of the World Cup. We'll be back every day. There's a game. We'll be here. Uh, most of the live streams start at 9pm uh, GMT, I think. or uh, Basically, wherever you are, uh, within five minutes of the last yeah, game finishes, finishing, we'll be here. We'll be here, the last yeah. game of the day. And JJ and John are gonna, you're gonna, gonna have some fun working during the day as well to um, to create videos for Tifo IRL channel. Ish. Tifo uh, football, the illustrated channel, will continue as, as normal with lots of some World Cup, some non World Cup uh, videos being released. Um, but yeah. Hopefully you can join us for it, uh, and uh, I think it'll be uh, the highlight will be around sort of day sixteen or so. When we when start to get really tired. We'll have lost all of our. When we start to corpse and yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, it's yeah. that's the bit that I enjoyed. I think yeah. looking back, I can't remember most of it, but it's okay. just one long live stream yeah. that lasted for weeks and weeks. Well, JJ Ball, Seb Stafford, Blore, uh, John McKenzie, thank you very much, and we will be back tomorrow. Take care, everybody. See you later. Bye, 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 bye.